First things first, let's buckle those belts. Insert the metal end into the buckle and pull the strap to tighten. To open, simply lift on the top of the buckle. And remember, seatbelts should be fastened whenever you're seated, just in case of unexpected turbulence. To get us on our way, make sure your seat is up, all electronic devices are put away, and your tray table is stowed. If you have a carry-on, push it all the way under the seat in front of you. If it won't fit, place it in the overhead bin. If you have a handheld device, please switch it to airplane mode now. You'll find our full electronic device. Couple of things. First of all, I've never, ever, ever seen a flight that had that much leg room. Ever. <laughs> ever. Second, as I welcome you to week two of this series called Airplane Mode, I want us to recognize um, a guy who it required an airplane for him to get here. And with all this Togo talk, it is only appropriate that our great friend Kofi is here. Kofi, would you stand? We want to welcome you this morning, man. <clears throat> Kofi is one of those guys that we talk about every once in a while that God has blessed us to be able to be connected to. They are the ones that, that God uses to just make stuff happen in the country of Togo. The very first time I got to go, I was the guy blessed that spoke in a church where Kofi translated. And everybody on that trip will tell you, I went back to the, the compound that we were staying at, and I, I said to every single one of them, this guy has got it. And for once in my life, I was right. And we have found that to be the case. Ten years later, um, he has still got it. And what he's got is Jesus. And he just truly listens and follows. He, he really, God's used him to impact all over the world. But uh, we are truly grateful for the relationship with him. He's going to be here for several weeks. We'll actually uh, hear a little bit, um, I think, from him next week. We're, we're going to work something together where you can hear um, a, a little bit about what we're talking about um, in, this, in this church start. Airplane mode. Here's what we mean. When you put your phone, for example, in airplane mode, you are suspending the radio frequency signal transmission. And in other words, you, you can't make or receive calls, you can't make or receive text, you can't, you can't send or receive emails. You, you have access to the device, but you don't have access to the outside world. Now when you're on a plane and you gotta go airplane mode, that's a bit limiting. But what we're learning in this series is that Jesus said there is a place for airplane mode in regards to prayer. And what he modeled for us was these, these intentional temporary moments where the outside world is shut off so that there can just be some critical moments between us and God. Here's the verse we saw last week. It's one of the examples in the Bible where Jesus does that. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now here's what we know. Jesus didn't live in isolation. He was constantly bombarded with crowds. That's actually the context of Luke chapter 5. Many people coming to him. Much healing that they needed. Everybody needed words of hope. Jesus knew he could talk to God all the time. 
But there were these moments that for the Son of God, there had to be intentional, temporary, by temporary, I mean, this wasn't, this wasn't what he did 24 hours a day, but intentional, temporary moments where the world, in a sense, is shut out, and it's just time between him and the Father. So what we're saying is getting to where you need to be requires some time in airplane mode. If you're going to fly anywhere, you've got you to put your phone in airplane mode. But if you're going to move spiritually where you need to be, you also need some time in airplane mode. What Jesus modeled in Luke chapter 5, he teaches in Matthew chapter 6. And so that's where we're hanging out for, for several weeks. Matthew chapter 6, it's a part of <clears throat> what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Matt actually read some of the text to you um, starting off together that, that we looked at last week where Jesus said the reward in prayer is not that other people think you're really spiritual when you pray. I mean, that's not really what you're after. So when you, when, whether it's at church or whether it's somewhere in public and you're all about just praying these flowery words so that everybody goes, wow, that guy can pray. He said, that's it. That's your reward. It's done. He said, no, this is about a conversation, a connection, a relationship between you and God. And so here's the verse we keyed on, verse 6. When you pray, go into your room, close the door. That's airplane mode. Into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Then Jesus said... Be careful that you don't think that your success in prayer is about your prayer. In other words, don't fall into the trap of thinking that the volume of your words is what will get God to listen to you. Don't fall into this trap of thinking that just empty repetition, if, if you say it enough, then you can bug God enough that, no, he said, don't, don't fall into that trap. You're talking to the God who already knows what you need before you ask him. So success in prayer is really dependent on the one on the other end of the line, God. And then in verse 9, he says, this then is how you should pray. And we're going to look at a couple of verses of what is usually referred to as the Lord's Prayer. We're just going to do a couple of verses this week. We'll get some more next week. The Lord's Prayer. Now, honestly, I don't know why the Lord's Prayer became the title, because it could have been called the Disciples' Prayer, honestly. Because the context here is Jesus going to the disciples, to those who are following him, this is how you pray. He's given them a model, if you will. And he's really, really, really clear that this prayer is not some tool that he's giving us to just use that if we pray it enough, if we repeat it enough, if we just go over it, that, that somehow this is like some magical you know, incantation that, that makes everything happen. He's saying, let me teach you how significant this conversation, this connection is between you and God. Let me teach you some things about prayer. So here's what we learn. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. 
Here's what Jesus said. You understand that prayer is acknowledging God as our dad. Prayer is acknowledging God as our dad, our father in heaven. I love it when my kids acknowledge me as their dad. I do. I love it. I love it when it happens from my eight-year-old, right? And he just comes running in sometimes and just tries to bowl me over, right? Wrap around and hug. I love that when he calls me dad. And I love hearing it from my 20-year-old and my 23-year-old who's old enough to now be a parent herself. But to still be called dad, I love that. And, And I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a part of that whole in the image of God of what we get to recognize and experience. But how cool is it that God says, this is how I want you to see me. I'm your father. I'm your dad. And he refers, the, the line is our father. If that would have been written in a Western setting, we would have probably said, my father. That's how most of us would write it. Now, I'll, I'll t- touch on that a little later. But you're dealing with an Eastern setting here, and an Eastern understanding. It's, it is our father. And I'm, I'm just going to start here. Is that something that you can really pray? You say, what do you mean? I'm not asking you if you can say the words. I know you can say the words. I'm asking you this morning, is he really your father? Can you pray our father in heaven? I I found it really interesting as God lines up kind of what we're talking about in this setting with week one of directions. And if you were motoring through directions this week like I was, it was really clear this week, wasn't it, that everybody in the human race belongs in one of two families, one of two. You are either in God's family or scripture says very clearly you're in the devil's family. And it's just funny when people hear that, it's like, well, I don't wanna be in the devil's family, so I guess I'm in God's family. That's kinda how we do it. I mean, most people in their right mind don't wanna be in the devil's family. They know at least enough about him to know that's not something you wanna mess with, although you'd be surprised. But most people are like, well, I don't want to be in his family, so I must be in God's family. But what Scripture really teaches us is that, no, you are not automatically in God's family just because you don't want to be in the devil's family. And the truth is that we all, because of sin that entered this world, we are born naturally into the devil's family. So let me read a little bit to you. John chapter 8, verse 42. Jesus said this on one occasion. If God were your father, you would love me. For I've come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. But then he says in verse 44, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now here's what might be interesting to you. 
Those words were first spoken by Jesus to the most religious people of his day. They were the people going to church every week. They were the people who were giving part of their money to ministry causes. They prayed not just every day, but, but multiple times every day. They were the most religious people, and Jesus said, the devil is your father. Let me give you another verse, John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, yet to all who received him, that's Jesus, to those who believed in his name, that's Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Here's what I want you to see. What determines the difference between whether you are a child of God or a child of the devil, the Bible says? Jesus. It is believing and receiving Jesus. That God has made this way that we who are sinners and have been separated from him, that can be forgiven and we can be made right that we can now be reconnected to him. How did that happen? Jesus. And so the difference of who we belong to, it is what we do with Jesus. It is whether we believe that he really is the Savior who died for my sin, rose again, and it is whether we receive that gift of God's grace that Jesus becomes the king of my life. He forgives me, and I am his. That's the difference. Which spiritual family are you in? And I'm not sure that I will ever ask a more important question for your life. Which spiritual family are you in? And my prayer today is that even by the time we are finished here, that you would hear a God who loves you and calls you And that even in these moments, from your heart to his, you could call out to him in prayer. He will hear you. And if you ask, he will forgive you. And for you to receive him into your life, to be the king, that could happen right here today. If you do that, you are suddenly going to find yourself connected to a really good dad. Now, what makes a good dad? I mean, for you, it's like, what, what, what makes a good dad? How would you describe a good dad? And, and I know, I wish this wasn't the case, but the immediate response that I would get back from some would be, not too sure, because mine wasn't that great. Not too sure, because I didn't even have really a dad in my life. And I wish that wasn't the case, but in this messed up world, man, that's the picture in too many families, that there are just too many pictures where dad was not present, or in some cases they wish he wasn't present because being present was actually an evil that seemed worse than, than if he would just be gone. That, that is just too many stories. And I, I would say then, Okay, then, pick one that you think's good. 
I hate that it wasn't yours. But pick one that you would, dis- you would, you would say that this is a good dad. What does he look like? Does he love? Yeah. Does he care? Yeah. Is he, is he firm? Yes. But is he gentle? Yes. Is he approachable? Yes. Does he provide? Yes. Does he, does he truly care about helping you with direction? Yes. When you, you know, you know what a good dad looks like. And the point I want us to settle in is, is just the first few words that Jesus gives us. God, your father, your dad is perfect in all those attributes and in many more. He is perfect in every way. He is the kind of dad that knows what you need even before you ask him. If, if you were walking through directions with us this week, we had a memory verse, right? It's Matthew chapter 7. Verse 11, it goes like this, if you then, though you are evil, anybody just paused there a couple of times this week and I'm going, did we have to say it that way? Couldn't we have said, if you, though you are like a little messed up sometimes? I mean, that sounds better. You, even though you are not as holy as God, right? No, you, right? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? It's because he's good. He's good in every way. I love this verse out of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Here are the words that stand out to me. He disciplines because he loves. And then he delights. Now let's, let's just think through that. There's no child on the planet in their right mind who loves discipline. Okay? Most every child's going to push back from discipline. We're going to push back from correction. But that same child knows that if a parent never corrects them and never disciplines them, they will be the child who grows up and says, my parents didn't care about me because they never gave me any boundaries. They never protected me. So we know discipline is connected to love. But come on, delight Anybody wake up this morning thinking, I am going to gather with the people of God because God delights in us. I'm going to say most days, I don't think we think about God delighting in us. And maybe parts of it because we don't see ourselves very delightful. There's some stuff that happened today that wasn't very delightful. I did some things that weren't very delightful. I'm, I am not delighted with myself. Why in the world would God be delighted with us? I'm telling you, Scripture says that your good, heavenly Father delights in you. Isn't it weird that we don't think God would do that in our case? But come on, as, as parents, as moms and dads, we, we really there are moments you delight in your kids. I, I get it. There could be some moments every week when delight ain't the word, Right? But there are a lot of moments that you just delight in your kids or your grandkids. 
How could you not delight in that? <laughs> now you know why I'm like out of my mind for a couple of weeks. It's like he's just talking and he's just rambling. This is why. This is why. How delightful, right? That's Sylvie, by the way. That's Sylvie. She has entered uh, the premises. She is, she is in the world and in the house, and as a granddad, um, I am delighted. I, I can tell you there is a dad who delights in her. There is a granddad who delights in her. There is a great-granddad who delights in her. There's an uncle that delights in her. We, uh, we kind of get to hang out together now. Um, and yeah, uh, I told you last week, she's been here like two weeks, and she, she brings nothing to the table. She really doesn't. Uh, she just messes up diapers. You got to feed her. You got to just take care of everything. But man, we delight in her. But I also want you to grasp today that for me as a dad, that kid in the corner, he's my son. I delight in him. Now, most of the time, he looks more like this. He really is, and it's part of why I delight in him so much. Um, the other day, we were sitting in that same chair, um, but Sylvie was not there, so it was just me and him, and he's sitting in my lap, and I can't remember if, if we were uh, like on a game, on an iPad, or what we were doing, and all of a sudden, he just, he just this is what he does, he'll pause, he looks me in the eye, and he goes, <laughs> nostril, isn't that a funny word? And it, it, we just lost it. And he just, he starts laughing about the word nostril, which makes me start laughing. And we, we, we got to this gut level laugh in the chair over the word nostril. It's like he has so much fun. There is so much joy. I just delight in him. God delights in you. And come on, he doesn't need you for anything. He doesn't need you to pull off the plan that he's got. He can do that without you. He, he doesn't need us. He delights in us. He loves us. He is the perfect dad. Watch where he goes from here. Jesus says back in verse 9, Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Here's the second thing Jesus said. You understand, you are acknowledging your dad's reputation. So when you pray, you're acknowledging that God is your dad, but this is also about acknowledging our dad's reputation. If you're in a group of people and, and the conversation suddenly swings toward God, there's an interesting vibe that, that can happen in the group because he does have a reputation. Hallowed be your name is the line. What does that word? We don't really use the word hallowed on, on a daily basis most of the time. It means holy. It means clean. It means undefiled. It means good. It means perfect. It, it means completely set apart. He, hallowed is his name. Our great dad has a great reputation. For example, Psalm 111, verse 9. He provided redemption for his people. 
He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. (laughs) So when you and I were held captive in the family of an enemy, our Father made a way to adopt us into his. And the psalmist is just saying, come on, that me- holy and awesome is his name. A dad who would do that for you, a dad who would go that far, a dad against whom you actually sinned would be the dad who would go the distance to do what was necessary to buy you back. And it was by a covenant. Thank goodness, not a contract. You hear me say this often. A contract is I'll do what I, I'll do this part, you do that part, and as long as, as long as we both keep the ends of the contract, then we're good. No, a covenant, covenant was the bond. You've heard me say it, not broken. God, he's not gonna go back on his word. A covenant God, holy and awesome is his name. Philippians chapter two in the New Testament tells us about his name, verse nine. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, one day, everybody's going to take a knee. At the name of Jesus, one day, everybody's going to take a knee. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me give you one more place. Leviticus chapter 22. Leviticus chapter 22 verse 31 says, keep my commands and follow them. I am the Lord. Do not profane my holy name, for I must be acknowledged as holy by the Israelites. I am the Lord who made you holy and who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am am the Lord. Here's what he told those Israelites a long time ago. Make sure by your actions that the family name doesn't take a hit. Make sure by your actions that the family name doesn't take a hit. And God says holy and awesome is his name. And now through Jesus, through Jesus' sacrifice, the blood that he shed, a cross and a resurrection, he has now made you holy. Not of your own doing, by his grace, the power of his spirit that lives within you. And he's saying, make sure by your actions that the family name doesn't take a hit. Lean into me. Lean into me. I want to talk to you for a second about this, just that, that concept wrapped back around with the, just that our father, because that's a big deal that I don't think we, we really comprehend how big a deal it is. With our opportunity to travel east, so in, in an Asian mindset, it, it is part of what we see in Taiwan and in China and beyond. It is more about the family wins than it is about the individual wins. It is more about saying life and and winning, this is more attached to family than it is to individual. In the West, 
we put more on the individual than we do on a family win. We tend to put ourselves in front of the other. Let, let me get really practical with you, and, and this is the way I would describe it. In the West, here, where we are, kids are typically taught that the family exists for them. It is a part of the mindset. The family exists for kids. And so much of the purchases are based on that concept. Much of the scheduling is based on, those con on, on, that, on that concept. And so I mean, everybody running around with their head, let's just stop, everybody running around crazy Trying to, get, trying to get to every schedule, every ball game, everything that there is, really is often based on a thinking that our kids think the family exists for them. And in the East, kids are taught that they exist for the family. They're taught that they exist for the family. For you sports people, it's the difference in playing for the name on the front of the jersey rather than the name on the back of the jersey. Now, in the East, when a kid does something wrong, a kid struggles, a kid makes a mistake, a kid does something, let's say, embarrassing, it is not viewed as a kid loss. It's, in view, it's viewed as a family loss. And, and you will even sometimes see a, a father um, who is just broken before their son, for example, who may do something, and the father is saying, I have failed. Because it's not individual. It's seen as a family win or a family loss. Now, I think you can see, without me having to go in too much detail, what that can really cost a family in the long term if everybody's playing for the name on the back of the jersey versus the name on the front. But come on, can you see what happens when that mindset then just transfers into the family of God? And then suddenly the family of God exist for me instead of me understanding a very biblical picture of I am here for the family of God and if we're not careful the same thing that happens in, in families will happen in churches and then it just becomes this, this how does the church serve me versus God has given me breath and gifts and abilities so that I can serve the church Jesus said he didn't come to be served, but to serve. And when we get it backwards, it not only affects our households, it can affect the household of God, our Father. No, this is about family wins or losses. It's about the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back. One more, one more, and we'll be done today at least with me, then we'll do something fun like sing, all right? One more thing Jesus says here. Um, we acknowledge our Father, God is our dad. 
we, we recognize his reputation. And then third, Jesus talks about acknowledging our dad's work. Acknowledging our dad's work. Um, it is important to our dad that we understand his work. It is funny to me sometimes how, as kids, don't have really any idea what their parents do for work, all right? Now, if your parent is a teacher and you go to school as a kid, you're going to have a pretty, idea, a pretty good idea of what they do. So your parent's a teacher, you go to school, they may not be your teacher, but you've got a teacher, and so when somebody says, hey, dad's a teacher or mom's a teacher, you go, oh, okay, I got it. But if you grow up and your dad's in HR, right, you're really not sure what he does. You're, you're really not sure what she does. Not sure what mom does. She's in HR. What's HR? I don't know. Just, that's what she does, right? And, and so I'm saying and it's interesting that I think kids can grow up and there's this period of time where they don't even really know what mom and dad do. You never really learn what dad actually does Maybe until you work with him in the family business. And then it's like, oh, that's what he does. That's what he does. What does our dad do? Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as as it is in heaven. When you hear the kingdom of God, what do you think of? Because that's, that's the business that our, our heavenly dad is in. Let me give you a couple of verses to wrap this up. There was a time that Jesus was being asked that question, and so here's what it says in Luke chapter 17, verse 20. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom or the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst, or it literally could be translated is within you. And what we read in the rest of scripture, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he's saying, we're not talking about something, you think of a kingdom, you think of maybe walls and gates, and, and he goes, no, the kingdom of God is about God's rule his reign in the, in the lives and hearts of people who have given themselves completely to his son. People who are completely co sold out to Jesus. He is their king. He reigns within their lives. That is the kingdom of God. And it spreads by contact. It does. So when a person who knows Jesus shares the truth about Jesus with someone else, boom, the kingdom hops. He hops, and now suddenly he lives within another, and then he lives within another, and, and then you spread the good news of Jesus, and every time a heart is then given to him, they believe and receive, the kingdom grows. But there's coming a day. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded this trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. One day, the kingdom will be visible. And it will be all his. 
So when we pray something like, your kingdom come, what are we praying? We're really praying that the gospel will, will, will spread. We're, we're praying that the rule and the reign of God would continue to spread in the hearts of people. We're praying that you and I would be, would be diligent to share what we now know, this grace that has been poured out into our life, this love that is extravagant for us, that we now will share that gospel and that people will believe and receive and we just see it continue to hop from heart to heart that the kingdom grows. And when that is done, Scripture says, our king will return. And when he returns, we will see the kingdom with different eyes. It will not be invisible anymore. We will see. You never really learn what your dad actually does until you work with him in the family business. His business is about the kingdom growing. If that's not the business of your life, then you probably don't know what your dad does. One of the things that stood out to me over this last week was a part of some of the statistics that were given. If, if you came for the beginning of just last week as we were trying to get you know, some of the just introducing directions and passing out books and giving a little bit of info, one of the statistics that was shared was that for every 54 members of the church, and by the church, we're not talking about just Heart of Life, we're talking about the church, all right? For every 54 people who claim to belong to the church, one will lead someone to Jesus this year. One. For every 54 people who claim God as their father, claim to be a part of his family, out of every 54 people, one will lead somebody to Jesus this year. That's the numbers. No, we're not making that up. Now, another way to say that is if you live 54 years and you're tip, a typical part of that process, that means in 54 years you will lead one person to Jesus. One. And then count the fact that for many people that might be their own child. <laughs> it might be their own child. You never really learn what your dad actually does until you work with him in the family business. Our father is in a kingdom business, and we want to be a church that doesn't settle for those kind of numbers. We want to be in the family business. We want to be in the kingdom business. We don't want to see one out of every 54 people share Jesus with somebody, right, every year. We want to see everybody equipped, and that's why we're doing directions. That's why to walk through this tool that we've been given to, to understand who God is and what we've been called to and how we can, are able to answer questions in people's lives and as they inquire about who he is, this is the kind of foundation that we want to have. Let me tell you about a couple of opportunities, and I really will be quiet this time. One opportunity.
couple of weeks from now, first Sunday in October. First Sunday in October. They're going to have a breakfast right here. The breakfast is not really to feed Heart of Life Church. The breakfast is for the purpose of inviting some folks to come have breakfast with you. We're probably going to pick different parts of town, different because we'll do it hopefully more than one month. It's going to be the first of every month, and, and we will maybe distribute some flyers. We may do some prayer walking through, through different parts of towns. We'll do the neighborhoods where you live. You let us know if you want to be a part of that. We'll, we would help you prayer walk and maybe pass out some flyers. We said, hey, we're going to have breakfast 8 to 9 o'clock. That happens in communities like this all the time. There'll be a pancake breakfast, but it'll be like a fundraiser or something. Well, this is not a fundraiser. This is just a time where you could come in, have breakfast with somebody. If they want to stay for church, cool. If they don't want to stay for church, we're not going to lock the doors. But a chance for them to come in, to be just surrounded with some people of God and just to start to interact, just a way to break the ice. So, uh, we're hoping that it would be a chance to reach into our community and let's make some pancakes, let's do some biscuits and gravy, let's do whatever we got to do for the chance to share Jesus. Who would you bring? Who would you bring? I'm encouraging you to get in the family business. Band, if you want to come on up, we're going to sing here in a second. I'm going to give you one more opportunity while they do that. One more opportunity. In, I feel like this is one of those seasons where we're talking about new church starts, and I told you last week about Liz going to Taiwan to be able to work in the pregnancy center and how crazy of an opportunity I think that is. Something else surfaced this week. Something else that surfaced in Taiwan this week is that the new Taipei city, um, what I'm going to call government in terms of education officials. Now, new Taipei city is in Taipei, as you might imagine. It would be sort of the equivalent of, let's say, a Lee Summit, we would say, a, a big suburb of, of the overall city. So let, we'll use Lee Summit, for example. It would kind of be like that, size-wise. The government officials of New Taipei City have completely endorsed our missionaries teaching English in the public schools. That would be like Lee Summit, government officials, saying, we are endorsing you to come teach in our public schools about Jesus. Use English to do it. That's the kind of miracle that that is. Which now means that every school in New Taipei City is much more inclined to go, yes, we want you to come do that because the government has signed off on it. Um, March the 10th, through June the 10th would probably be the time frame that we would hit it the first time. It's three months. We, we're going to need some people who might could go for a month, maybe some people who could go for two months, maybe some people who could go for three months. And we don't have enough yet. It can be college students who are taking classes online. It could be retired folks who want to go spend a month or two or three. You don't have to be a teacher. We can train you. We don't have enough yet for what, in other words, it sounds like the fields seem to be white 
or harvest and the workers are few. Anybody know what Jesus said next? Ask your father for more. Pray and ask your father for more workers. And then you know what he said to the people who were gathering around him? I'm sending you out. I love that. He's like, pray for more workers to go with you. I love that part. We kind of leave that out. It's like we're always praying for somebody else. No, he's like, pray for more workers because they're going to join you. I, I don't know. I don't get all this. It's like we ain't smart enough to figure all this out. I'm just saying there is a great father that we have that wants the whole world to know how great he is. And for whatever reason, for this little family of God in this part of the world, he just keeps opening door after door after door going, if you want to walk through this, I will let you join me in the business. And it feels like it's time for us to ask our dad to give us enough to do what he's called us to do. I know we don't have a lot of money, so let's ask him, and then let's give. And I know we don't have enough missionaries, so let's ask him, and then let's go. I'm not really sure what else to do. We probably should just follow him. We should follow him. Some of you have never joined him in the family business. For some of you, it's always been more about you than the family. For some of us, maybe you've never believed and received. Who is your spiritual father? I want us to take a few minutes. They're going to start with a song that you can sing it if you want to, certainly. But I just kind of want to encourage you to take a little bit of it in. And as it's sung, just let this be some moments of your heart before the father that we're singing about. And then... Just kind of as we do that together, then we'll eventually just celebrate who he is. We'll be over here on the side. If you need prayer, we'd be honored to minister to you today. I love you guys.